Hello, and welcome to the Sapphire Wire podcast. I'm Lisa Johnston. And I'm Kyle Johnston. Today, we're going to be focusing on a couple of topics, uh, namely the debates that happened at the State Fair this past weekend. And we'll begin with the governor's race between incumbent Governor Brownback and State Representative Paul Davis. Uh, It was an interesting one. Let me just start by saying I think that state fair environment is crazy. And I feel sorry for the candidates because it's so noisy. It's kind of a tradition. It's kind of a raucous environment. I know. And I guess that's kind of fun. But I feel sorry for the candidates because it's hard for them to make sure they're speaking into the mic enough that people can hear them. And sometimes you can't hear them. And I guess it's, it's fun for people to get fired up. But... I prefer a more formal debate setting myself, but like you say, I guess it's fun. So let's start with the optics. Okay, so on the stage we have Governor Brownback. He's in a jacket and tie and shirt, and then we've got Paul Davis in just his shirt with the top button unbuttoned. So uh, I don't know quite how I feel about that. I guess my leaning is I think Paul was too casual. I agree. And I, I know he was trying to be down with the people or seem like he was accessible. And I could see that, like, out in the fair, of course, when you're walking around meeting people. Yeah, you don't want to have on a full suit and tie. But I was a little bit disappointed to see that. I wish he had at least had on a tie. So the optics of that, I thought, were a little bit off. And the other thing that I hope he does in future debates is he's so tall and the mic wasn't high enough for him and he had to kind of like lean over all the time and I I wish that that had been better and he had been able to stand up straight. So, well, now we've got the peripheral optic stuff out of the way. Um, I thought in general, especially at the beginning, Davis didn't seem very comfortable. What did you think? I agree. He seemed kind of low energy at first, uh, like he wasn't quite comfortable up there at the very beginning. And maybe he was getting the feel of the mic, but he was talking real fast, and I couldn't really understand what he was saying. And I felt like he tried to put too much into his opening statement. It didn't really have a, a focus. Brownback, on the other hand, he seems all laid back, and he always kind of has that attitude. And he, he leans into the, the schmaltz. It's like, I love Kansas. Kansas is the greatest place to be. And, of course, that plays real well with the audience. Yeah, and we've met both of them in person. They're both nice guys, really friendly. And even though I don't personally like Brownback and his politics, uh, in person he comes across as very friendly and affable, uh, energetic, and kind of easy to like as a person. And that's that's one of the things. It's like that's a real strength that he has, that likability factor, um, because that does come through definitely. For anyone who's ever met him, I think that, that they would say that. Um, well, the key points seem to be, like, Davis did a pretty good job, I thought, leaning into the fact that education needed to be a priority and that funding uh, what had been very problematic. And so he did he did keep bringing that up throughout the debate, which I thought was good. But he kept using this phrase, restore the cuts. And I hope he stops using that phrase because I think it was a bad phrase. You either need to restore the funding or do away with the cuts. Yeah. So that was kind of awkward at best. Yeah, it's a little confusing. 
And the one thing, though, I was disappointed in is they would have this back and forth. And the whole debate was really like a he said, he said. And unless people are engaged politicos, they're not going to know who is telling the truth or what is factual. And so I hope people do a lot of research. But, of course... <laughs> it's pretty unlikely. <laughs> yeah, not everybody does that, unfortunately. And so that that was the sad part because I really wanted Davis to nail him on more of the specifics and to say, you know, you can't say there's record level funding because here's the base aid for student, you know, the year before you took office and then say, here's what it was then this year and show the actual data so that people can grasp onto that because otherwise it's like Davis saying funding is bad and Brownback is saying we have record funding and then the average listener doesn't know really what to come away with because it's just like a he said he said. I think you do have to be careful about getting into talking about data or showing data though you have to do it in an engaging way because you don't want to become like the Al Gore John Kerry about a yeah. box or John <laughs> Kerry carrying on droning on. Oh yeah, sure. You want to do it in a very clear, succinct way, but it has to be more than just one person says it's good and the other person says it's bad. You've got to give somebody something that they can hold on to and say, "Yeah, that's an important point." Um, a clear theme for Brownback was definitely bringing up Obama all the time. Mm -hmm. Obamacare and Obama did this. And so Paul Davis was either Obama's best friend or the big line that he used was the Nancy Pelosi of Kansas <laughs> <laughs> being a leader in the legislative body. So I think even Paul Davis laughed about that on the stage yeah. when he said it. And the thing is, I think it would be kind of funny if Davis could have a comeback to that and could call Brownback the George W. Bush of Kansas because <laughs> he is wrecking the Kansas economy and going to leave a budget huge debt and deficit so I think that that would be funny to have a comeback I don't know if he'd be willing to do that or not he did have his line where he said that the governor was leaving us debt 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 uh, so I think it seemed like some people responded to that yeah he definitely needs some kind of zinger yeah and they talked some about it seemed like energy kept coming up like several times, mm -hmm. and there was the whole business about, do you support the coal plant in Holcomb? And then Davis pushing back on him about, you know, you're not supporting wind energy enough. And then that was another he said, he said, because then Brownback was accusing him of having not voted in support of a wind, wind energy initiative, that it was a bill that included a lot of different things, yeah. I think. I think it was a bill that was tied to the coal plant, which is unpopular with many Democrats. Yeah, and it's it's controversial. That's that's a hard one. It's always that balance between, you know, creating jobs and the economy of the state, and some of these old, dirtier energy sources have to be phased out. But what's the proper transition? And uh, you know, that's. A difficult question, I think, for folks to deal with, especially Democrats when they're trying to be pro-environment mm -hmm. while at the same time being pro-economy. That's tough to deal with. Uh, Davis also leaned into the experiment not working. He used that a couple of times. It's funny because I know Brownback has denied 
on a couple of occasions ever having said that but of course there was an interview yeah. a televised interview where he did say it so yeah, it'd be pretty easy to find yeah oh and i think people have found it the other thing that was interesting that brownback said i mean davis has said when taxes are brought up he always says he wants to um freeze the tax rates and keep mm-hmm. them the same for now and then study it and see what we can do now obviously i think they have totally wrecked the revenue stream mm-hmm. and they they really probably need to restore what was working previously. But Brownback was saying, you want to raise taxes on people making $15,000 and under. And I was really disappointed that um, Davis didn't come back at him because actually taxes on lower income people went up under the new tax code. Yeah, They took away a lot of tax credits. And so people are actually paying more taxes. And frankly... I, I think a lot of people ended up paying more than they thought they would because they've kind of decimated uh, itemized deductions mm-hmm. in Kansas. I know we were disappointed in yeah. that when we filed. Exactly. So in the end, I thought, you know, Davis got his rhythm more throughout. Seemed like he got a little bit more comfortable, and the crowd certainly was behind him at a lot of different points. Yeah, it seemed like they both brought a lot of supporters, which helped quite a bit. Yeah, the cowbells and the cheering (laughs) and and the moderators did have to like try to calm people down a couple of times. I think, you know, Davis had a pretty good closing statement uh, leaning into education. But again, he's got to stop saying restore the cuts because he said that again in the closer. And then the other thing that I wish all Democrats would stop doing is this formulaic, I'm a this that and the other i'm a father i'm a businessman i'm a you know tom holland did that and he had it i don't remember it son of teachers and a couple other things it's like i don't know there's something about that formulaic i'm a this that and the other that i don't really respond to yeah exactly and then brownback sort of weaved throughout this whole uh love for kansas and kansas is the greatest Mm -hmm. and he, he definitely leans into that. Yeah, and unfortunately it comes across as pretty genuine. Yeah, it does. And in fact, I remember in uh, the last governor's race in 2010, I knew right after the opening statements because Tom Holland had kind of a formulaic opening statement with I'm a this, that, and the other, and here's everything that Sam Brownback's doing that's wrong. Came across as very rehearsed. Yeah, and then Sam Brownback says, I love Kansas, (laughs) and then, you know, carried on and made a statement. But then at that moment, I'm like, I knew that Brownback had won that debate because he came across as so likable and so committed to the state and true to the state and really loved the state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, now let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about the U.S. Senate debate, uh, the very controversial race now that Chad Taylor is sort of dropping out. <laughs> I think but... you filed a lawsuit today to try to reverse uh, the Secretary of State's decision. We'll I see don't... how that plays out. I don't know why he's doing that, really, because I don't think I don't think it'll probably go anywhere. And even if it does, I think it's actually going to be a disadvantage if his name did get removed from the ballot and they put on, you know, Jane Smith or whoever they would end up putting on because the Republicans would press them yeah. 
to put somebody else on. Although I did see a tweet a while back that somebody said the Democrats should find a candidate named Pat Roberts, <laughs> a Democrat, and put them on the ballot. That would be great if they could do that. I don't, I don't know if uh, they would be that ambitious. Of course, the Republicans would hit the roof if they did that. <laughs> but yeah, I almost think now that it's been so publicized that it would be better to just let his name be on the ballot and, you know, even though strategically that didn't work out the way they wanted it to, I think they should just try to inform as many people as possible. His name's going to appear, but he's not really a candidate. Now, of course, the ultimate reality is not everybody is as informed as they need to be. So yeah. he will still draw some amount of votes. Yeah, that's kind of what you have to gamble with. And there are Democrats, and we've seen some of this on Twitter, some people won't vote for Orman, even though they know he has the better chance because they really want to vote for a Democrat. Yeah. So that is kind of sad in a way. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Republicans who get so locked into voting for Republicans just because they've always done it. Yeah. Even though they're moderates and they don't agree with some of the extreme conservatism. I saw so many people like that during my campaign. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Orman if those people can switch to voting for an independent. Well, I think that's why he's polling better than Taylor was. I mean, it's a large part of it because people are willing, they can make the move to pull the lever for an independent, but Democrats have been so demonized in Kansas that they don't feel comfortable saying, yes, I'm going to vote for a Democrat, which is sad. But So... Chad Taylor obviously didn't come to the debate, so it was Greg Orman and Pat Roberts. And first of all, I guess I'll start with, I guess this is sort of an optic because it's a presentational element. I think Orman generally, he looks looks nice and presentable, so that's in his favor. But he has such a nasal voice. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we listened to just the audio of the debate because they didn't have the video up. Somebody has a video. I saw it on television, but at that time, the video wasn't out there. I don't know if it is now, but so listening to the audio, it just made you focus on that. And so I really hope that he gets a voice coach because he needs someone to work with him on how nasal he sounds and to also get a little bit more depth and resonance into Mm -hmm. his voice. Because I, I think that, you know... People can say, oh, that sort of stuff shouldn't matter. Well, it does. Yeah. And people need to be aware of that. So Roberts definitely seemed to be leaning into the whole experience element. <laughs> it's saying, I have all the experience. My opponent has none. Yeah. The whole proven record kind of thing. And then he was, Roberts was, he seemed very fiery, which I was a little bit surprised by how fiery he was. And he kept saying, we're going to put Harry Reid out to pasture. (laughs) That was his big line. That and saying that um, Orman was best friends with Obama and Harry Reid. Yeah, it's kind of the the pat Republican answer. Uh, And he he still, he seemed to be focused more on uh, kind of using the Washington lines and and jabs rather than focusing on Kansas issues and things that would be more relevant to people at the Kansas State Fair, which I thought might have been a little bit of a mistake. Yeah, although he did talk about agriculture somewhat and crop insurance and those kinds of things. But but the, the ultimate reality is those 
those lines, the red meat that gets the base fired up, that works. Yeah. And I mean, you could tell with his supporters, they seem to really like it. I mean, you're right that that's not anything issue-based that's really relevant to people. But, you know, it is a weakness for Orman that he has this donor history, apparently, to Obama and to Harry Reid. And, you know, that that's definitely going to come back to haunt him, I think. Yeah, maybe. It's hard to tell. That's kind of one of those things that probably most voters aren't going to research or really look into. So the Roberts campaign will really have to highlight that amongst voters. And so far, it seems like they've been kind of ineffective with their just overall campaign and reaching people. Well, he's in transition. There wasn't much of a campaign until the uh, Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee sent in the the team from the national uh, and everybody got replaced so it'll be interesting to see how things change but I was disappointed that Orman didn't push back on that donating to Harry Reid and say yeah but the reason I did is I was supporting the person who would be a responsible leader and not the fruit loop who said that we need to pay for medical services with chickens and that (laughs) people who are upset with their leadership need to brandish weapons or whatever. I mean, it would have been helpful to address that at least once. Yeah, I think so too. So what did you think of his big message, which was solving problems? It's a little vague. I'd like to hear more detail. Um, He kind of repeated it quite a few times, but didn't really flesh it out, which is a little disappointing. Yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty trite, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, he keeps saying Washington is broken, partisanship is bad, and it's not working. Yeah. It's all true. True. And he wants to solve problems, but he never really got into, okay, what does that mean, and here's what I'm going to do. Or Exactly. Uh, and then the other thing that I thought was just terrible, and he needs to stop doing this, that he needs to just take this out of his vocabulary, as he kept saying, I agree with Senator Roberts. Yeah, not good for differentiation. No, you've got to create a contrast, and as a candidate, you can't, I mean, I understand the pull to do that, because especially as a first-time candidate, you want to seem reasonable, you want to seem like, I'm the person who rises above all of this you know, mudslinging and stuff. But the problem is people don't get fired up about, oh, he seems really reasonable. I mean, that doesn't motivate voters. And so they want to know you can be a reasonable person, but you've got to display passion during the campaign and you've got to separate yourself from your opponent. And when he does that, and he did that multiple times during the debate, he essentially brands himself as Robert's light. And so then the question becomes, that's going to drive away some Democrats who are in that camp where they really want to vote for a liberal. So they're not going to like hearing that. And then and then people in the middle is like, well, if you agree with him so much, you know, if I'm going to get Roberts or Roberts, why not vote for the real Roberts? Yeah, exactly. So that's a huge problem. Huge problem. It seems like one of the only areas where they had like a significant exchange other than that jibber-jabber about, oh, you're Harry Reid's best friend and all that, was gun ownership Mm -hmm. and whether or not there should be background checks. And, of course, Roberts was acting like, nothing ever needs to change. Yeah. And uh, Orman, I thought, had a really good response to that. Which one? The gun ownership. He said that he thought it was reasonable to eliminate the loophole and that when he bought his guns he was a gun owner he had to have a background check yeah yeah and so i thought 
I thought he sound he had a, a sound response on that one. And I think amongst voters, there's a lot of popular support for that. Although politicians uh, in Washington don't seem willing to pick that up, whether it's be, that's because of the NRA or some other reason, it just seems like a, a hot potato that they don't want to touch. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, culturally, guns are a big part of the American culture, and course you know i'm not a normal democrat i'm pro-gun i grew up with guns as did you and uh, i think if you have family in the military or your family hunts or your family shoots for sport and you understand guns and have handled them and know about gun safety i think when you're in that group you have a different view and understanding of guns they don't bother you or scare you as much and so i think that is a difference and so i don't want to see all the guns go away but you know i think some kind of minimal protections are good and coupled with you know we've talked about before this wasn't talked about in the debate but the whole mental health issue and changing the statutes so that we can be more aggressive on holding and evaluating people that seem like they're going off the rails yeah that's really important well, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. It was the uh, the question that one of the folks asked Orman about uh, whether or not it was important for a candidate to live in the state that they're representing versus live in Washington, D.C. Yeah. I was floored by his response. I don't remember what that was. Oh, Orman said, he said that he didn't think it mattered. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, what are you doing? Because like there was polling that showed that that was a, a huge Achilles heel for yeah. Roberts. People have a problem with the fact that he isn't back in the state as much as people think he needs to be. So yeah. I thought that was a little bit of a drop ball. I mean, I guess he was being honest and maybe maybe that sort of uh, it foreshadows the fact that he intends to live in Washington pretty much full time if he were to get elected. Uh, but I think that that was a missed opportunity in a yeah. lot of ways. He could have leaned into that and said, yeah, you really need to be back in the state. And But then at another point, he kind of he kind of talked out of both sides of his mouth because he said that. But then at another point, he had a failed attack where he said, I've probably been to Dodge City more times than you have, Senator. And then Roberts was like, well, how many times have you been there? Yeah. And he's like, four. And he's like, well, I've been seven. Yeah. So you have it. So that didn't work out very well. That kind of fell flat. Although that doesn't say a lot for Robert said he's only been back to his supposed home seven times in you know, the whole year or whatever the length of time was. Oh, yeah, obviously. I mean, it's a pretty consistent issue. And the funny thing is, is there are people on both sides of that. Because I can remember talking to Dennis Moore about that. Um, back when I was thinking about running for third district and he talked about the fact that he thought too many people went home too much yeah. and that people weren't in Washington enough to like get together and to make schedule meetings. Yeah. And to, you know, do things outside of work, have dinners and make friendships. And he thought, he thought the number of people that went home as much as they did actually reduce the collegiality. It was interesting. Uh, I think, I guess there has to be a balance. I mean, if you're there, all the time i think you can lose touch but i guess if you if you never stayed for anything beyond just like votes or committees or whatever i guess you might not be as 
accessible to the process. Yeah, although you can argue that Roberts, for example, their popularity isn't very high right now. It's probably like the lowest it's ever been. So <laughs> him staying in Washington doesn't seem to be helping. So maybe he needs to spend <laughs> a little more time in Kansas. Yeah, obviously. I mean, the balance, he definitely isn't striking the balance. It's definitely way too far in that other direction. And, you know, frankly, I think most of those folks, they have their their own agenda. Yeah, that, definitely. That they're working on. So it'll be interesting. The polling, of course, has gone back and forth on the governor's race. And I think it's, you know, could go either way. But I do think it will be difficult for Davis to overtake Brownback as an incumbent governor. I think he. I think he still has some work to do, even though some of the polling. I think the last several polls, he's been up over Brownback, but it's, it's kind of it's. <laughs> I think it's within the margin of error yeah, a lot of the we'll time. See. Yeah, and of course, Democratic turnout is always notoriously bad. Yeah. In gubernatorial elections, and then the the Orman Roberts poll, I think that one might have been a little bit skewed. The one that just showed the face-off number between Orman and Roberts. Because, of course, that's not going to take into account that number of people who are going to vote for any Democrat who's on the ballot, either because they're uninformed or because they really want to vote for a liberal. So I think he has a chance. And he's he's running ads. Yeah. We're seeing them a lot on TV. So he's spending his money. He was able to raise quite a bit of money uh, outside the normal... Democratic donor network. He has his own network of people who are willing to give him pretty substantial and money. I think he's thrown a lot of his own money into the race too, which always helps. Okay, I didn't know that. I I don't remember seeing that on the last finance report, but I I wouldn't doubt that he would put in some. Um, but but he got quite a bit from just donors yeah i want to say six hundred and some thousand dollars which is which is pretty good for a i guess almost first time candidate he did try to run before in the same group of people yeah gave him donations and then he refunded all the contributions back then so that one i think he's got a real tough road to hoe i think davis has a better chance than than orman does we'll see um Maybe, maybe Orman, you know, if he can sharpen his message a little bit and and attack Roberts. That was the other thing I, that I wish that he had done was to point out specific things that to say, Senator Roberts, you did X, Y, and Z, yeah. and I disagree with that. And if I'm elected, I would do A, B, and C. Yeah. Again, drawing the contrast and not just, I agree with Senator Roberts. <laughs> it's like, well, then why should anybody vote for you? Exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that's a pretty good synopsis. Anything else you can think of? No, it's been a good inaugural podcast. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So thanks to everyone for listening, and I'll try to keep up recording and posting these routinely, and I think the election season will certainly give us some things to talk about as well as everything in the news and politics in general. So thanks so much, and... Take care until next time. Thank you.